Okay. All right. Welcome, everybody, to the Foundational Sales Podcast, where the objective is to get those in the sales industry to think. And today we are going to be speaking with the founder and CEO of RevBoss, Eric Boggs. Eric started RevBoss with a mission to build a world-class sales prospecting service. Prior to launching RevBoss, he built teams and growth programs as the founder and CEO at Argyle Social, which was acquired by Gravity4, employee number one at Bronto, which was acquired by NetSuite, and as a consultant advisor to SaaS companies like Device Magic and User Voice. So welcome, Eric. Thanks for having me, Paul. I'm glad to be here. Cool, cool. So Eric, I like to start you know, each podcast with, you know, the same, the same question, you know, in your own words, you know, tell us about yourself and, and really what's your, what's your claim to fame? What are you known for? <laughs> my, my claim to fame. Yeah. Uh, so uh, the, the professional intro was great. I appreciate that very much. Uh, I grew up in uh, rural North Carolina, a small town called Dallas, North Carolina, uh, just like Texas, just like a thousandth of the size. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> of Dallas, Texas. Um, went to school at Carolina, uh, UNC Chapel Hill, Tar Heels as an undergrad. Uh, did uh, grad school there. Wife, Kelly, three kids. We live uh, just outside of downtown Durham and we've been here um, for a long time. And, and you know, my whole career, as you highlighted in the intro, has been in, in SaaS companies. And generally speaking, uh, marketing software companies usually as the founder ceo or you know kind of running sales or running growth uh, as far as claim to fame um i have to think about that for a hot second um okay i got to go on i as an undergrad at carolina um i overlapped with julius peppers and joseph forte like guys that were just amazingly good and vince carter and antoine jameson left to go to the NBA the year before um, I got there as a freshman. And that was the year of the NBA lockout. And so Vince Carter was hanging around campus when I was in, uh, a freshman in the fall. And I managed to get in a pickup game uh, wow. with Vince Carter. And he was on my team. And let me tell you, that guy, pretty good at basketball. Pretty good. Uh, and uh, just a few plays into the game, uh, I got a long rebound, you know, took two dribbles up. And he was streaking up the court and just pointed up. And I heaved an alley-oop from half court and the dude just climbed the ladder and just dunked it and ran back down uh the court you know gave me a high five and said good pass man and like that was it i was like the oh, high man, score of my basketball career <laughs> that's what, i think we're like the same age probably I, you don't have to tell me i'm class of 95 and born in the late 70s we're probably around the same age or something like that but that's cool man that's awesome that's awesome yeah so there you go there, there there's a claim to fame cool that's great so can you tell the audience more about, you know, RevBoss and how you help companies in, in, in particular? Yeah, so we're, we're a sales prospecting company and um, we help our clients generate leads and relationships for the top of their sales funnel. And we do it all through email. Um, our clients, you know, buy a service from us, our client's interaction with us and their interface with us is primarily an account manager. And, um, but we, we view ourselves and operate our, uh, our business like a software company because we, we built a piece of software that 
powers everything that we do from sending email, managing data, and sort of managing workflow for our account managers. And an, an easy way to, to kind of put us into a context is um, there's a huge market of people that want to buy, you know, outreach seats for their sales team and have yeah. their sales reps or marketing team build email flows and kind of manage the process from front to back. Well, there, there's an equally huge segment of the market that doesn't want to do that. Uh, and in many cases, they don't even know that you can do that. And so we are basically uh, the same software concept, uh, but instead of buying a software subscription from RepBoss, you buy a package that includes the software, obviously, uh, but all the copy and strategy and execution and data and integration required to, to drive uh, a world-class email prospecting program. And you know, we, we really do well with small and mid-sized business services companies marketing firms, PR firms, consulting firms, and uh, early and growth stage SaaS companies that are really trying to figure out their market and build their, uh, build out their initial growth engine. Gotcha. Understood. Understood. Okay. Now I got started in sales back in the late nineties. I was actually a boiler room stockbroker and you know, the <laughs> prospecting back then, I mean, I was, required to make like 700 dials a day they it was it was brutal it was it was tough this was like in new york city and just a real cutthroat environment you know a lot has changed with regards to to outbound prospecting i think especially over the last 10 or 15 years i wanted to to kind of maybe see if you can talk about that especially as it pertains to maybe even phone and email or other yeah Man, well, I had like a brief moment of PTSD. I, I definitely have made a lot of cold calls in my life. Um, certainly not, not not like you described, no like boiler room stock sales. I've seen enough of that on TV to know that that you've been through some stuff. <laughs> oh, yeah. But I mean, there's a few things that have changed, I guess. Um, one, I don't have a phone on my desk and I haven't had a phone on my desk for a long time. And nobody at RevBoss has a phone on their desk. And so if you were to try to cold call RevBoss, you'd have to get somebody's personal mobile number and they're not going to answer that anyway. And so, you know, there is certainly a world where cold calling is still incredibly effective, but for a lot of B2B organizations, email has kind of become the default, which is good for us. And, you know, it's become the default for a lot of reasons. It's, it's easy. Um, it's less brute force and less of a numbers game and more about personalization and segmentation and being thoughtful and strategic about how, how you do what you do. Um, but, you know, there are still plenty of companies that make, hey, um, cold calling. The difference is that you're not pressing the button 700 times a day. Software is doing the dialing for you. But, uh, you know, there obviously have been some efficiencies <laughs> to come along. But for a lot of businesses where, there's somebody answering the phone and the sale is, is a little more transactional. Cold calling is incredibly effective. Uh, we have a client of ours. They're, they're actually not a client anymore. They're a real estate software company. And, uh, you know, we did a good job for them early on, but they gradually found that uh, the agents they sell to, they've got their phone in their pocket and their whole business runs through phone calls and they answer the phone and they're a lot more responsive on phone than via email. And so, you know, we saluted them and shook hands and sent them on their way. And they're, they're doing better with, um, you know, cold calling as a channel than they were with email prospecting. Yeah. Uh, and you know, what's interesting about that is that 
it really like you just mentioned it really depends on on the market i mean there are there are a lot of companies that i mean that are utilizing these you know outbound agents from overseas and so forth and i i look i think that has a, a negative connotation that's that's been I don't know how well that's 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 being received. I, I really do think more uh, outbound is 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 kind of done based on how you know your organization does it, or just more kind of content creation. And I was kind of wondering if you can speak to that as well. Yeah, I don't have a lot of experience with kind of the outsourced call center. Yeah, uh, I mean, well, I certainly do at, on the customer side yeah uh you know i've i've had more than well for the longest time when i'd go on a long drive uh if my kids were asleep or my wife was just on her phone or whatever i would call our cable company and just be like hi i want a discount i'm on a three-hour drive and i'm not going to hang up until i get a discount and you know you end up getting some nice people but if you work hard enough you can eventually uh you know just get a good deal on on your cable or whatever it is that you're paying for uh and yet those kinds of call centers are one thing. It's it's kind of responsive to customers, and that feels easy to outsource. Uh, but I will say, my my I always had a habit of asking where are they, and it's usually like Costa Rica or India or or, or whatever, and I find that pleasant and interesting. On the sales side, however, it's it's a different thing because even even with like outsourced U.S. based providers, um, with a cold call, like when you get a hook. You've got to you've got to like switch on real fast because you've got you know five seconds, fifteen seconds to get from like yeah yeah man what 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 is it yeah I'll talk to you to like interested enough to keep talking or interested enough to to schedule a demo and it feels short sighted to trust the dialing uh, it feels short sighted to trust that to someone that's not a full time employee because no matter how much training um, kind of a higher gun is not going to understand the depth of the problem or, or understand all of the nuance of, you know, when you finally get the prospect on the phone and the second they ask a question and, and your rep falls apart, it's a total wasted opportunity. Uh, and, you know, that's kind of been, been my take on it. Uh, certainly, you know, internationally, I think it's harder. We we're friends with a number of like fully outsourced legion companies that range from kind of low end call shops to a lot more, you know, a lot more expensive strategic kind of operators, um, and and they're good, but you know it just depends on it depends on the market and who the buyer is uh, a lot more than anything. Um, yeah, it, it, that's kind of that's kind of my take on it. You know, we've we've consciously stayed away from offering cold calling as a service because it is really hard and really complicated and it's so divergent from from how we operate now and it certainly is a compliment but when we when we work with prospects or clients that ask about that uh you know we refer them to a handful of people uh and sometimes you know we lose a client when we do that but that's okay because they're you know, they're getting their problem solved okay interesting no that's a that's a great answer and are, are companies kind of moving away or kind of toward uh, you know outbound solutions that maybe you would provide because it seems like to me like it's really kind of creating content, uh, 
creating content, creating content, and you know, like the method of outreach is is kind of changing. Do you feel like what do you feel the trend is? Oh, that's that's an interesting thought. Um, I mean, the trend is all of those things working in concert with a unified sort of strategy uh, across all those channels. Um, certainly, you know, let, let's kind of set sort of cold call aside and, and we can kind of speak through um, what what we do and what, what I know and understand really well, and that's email. Yeah. Like email certainly is not exclusive to inbound marketing and content marketing. Yeah. Uh, they can really work together. And, uh, you know, it's not exclusive to pay marketing and those kinds of things. You know, our, our top performer, like about 44% of our revenue um, comes from referrals, client referrals, partner referrals, that kind of thing. About 38% of our revenue comes from paid ads. Uh, so, I mean, we're an outbound company and outbound is our third best performing um, yeah. marketing channel. So it, it, it certainly takes all of those things, but you know, the, the message is unified across the board for all of those. Um, the, you know, the targeting as best as we can is unified, certainly in terms of the way we speak to clients and the way we kind of frame our message. The, the other nuance here is it depends on the, the type of business that you are. And it speaks to the kind of the diversity of our client base. If you're a, if you're a six person software company and, and you're the CEO, you just need to have conversations with anybody because you have nothing. And outbound is really good because you can say, I want to email people that, that have this title at these kinds of companies and you can just go. You don't have time for inbound marketing and content marketing to work yeah. uh, in that context. Um, similarly, if you're a, you know, a 50 person PR firm and you work exclusively in kind of manufacturing or you know, a certain number of niches, it's kind of the same thing. It's like, well, yeah, let's let's create some content, but the content's probably less about generating leads and it's more about moving prospects through our funnel or or kind of equipping prospects to make decisions. And if we know that these are our clients, well, let's just like, you know, draw a target on their back and try to hit them with with, with an email or or some other message. And yeah, and I think I think that's kind of where we've seen a lot of success is helping people kind of understand that like, yeah, inbound is good paid marketing is good. You totally should do it. But if you know exactly who you want to talk to, it's not that hard to just email them <laughs> and see if yeah. they'll take a call. You know, it's interesting. And that, that kind of leads to my, my second question, the next question. And, you know, says, how can organizations utilize RevBoss with like other types of campaigns and objectives? And I guess what my question is, is, well, I think you could be you could be really effective is in a situation where maybe they're looking to draw attention to content, right? Yeah. Have you, have you ever had that type of experience where your, your, you know, your job is to maybe draw attention to, to something that's, that a company creates to draw, whether it be an event or. Yeah, certainly, certainly events. We do, we do a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, you know, content certainly supports what we do as a call to action. Like our primary call to action is usually 
reply to this email and let's find a time to talk. But certainly like, hey, here's a video, here's a white paper, here's a five second looping animated GIF that shows like an extremely condensed product demo. Um, so th those things certainly play together. And there are also some really easy kind of uh, linkages between you know outbound and other channels. One thing is you, you could do a super hacky account-based marketing program simply by taking all of these prospects that you're emailing and throwing them into Google or AdRoll and creating a custom ad audience and throwing display ads at these people um, as they're receiving your emails or before they're receiving your emails or after they've received your emails. And so, um, and you know, the, the copy or, or call to action in the display ads might be, you know, might be the same or it might be really different. And, you know, to, to get back to the example of the, the six person startup, those ads can make you look a lot bigger than you actually are. Like if I email, if I get an email from, from this guy, Paul, um, you know, at, at XYZ Co and then, you know, whatever. And then two days later, I see an ad for XYZ Co on slate.com or cnn.com because I've been retargeting I you know, I subconsciously think, oh, wow, that, that actually is a legitimate company. Uh, there's like a brand recall there that happens. And, and that's, I mean, that's just one kind of obvious one that, that's easy where, um, you know, the thing that we do can, can connect into the broader, um, you know, marketing objective. Yep. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. And how do you, how does your, I guess, process differ? per like industry or, or role that you, 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 you know, you're that's prospected. What's. Yeah, that's a, that's a, um, I feel like that's the one thing that we've done really well is we've continued to think and rethink and rethink how we do things. Yeah. Um, such that we have this core back office process that is highly automated with software and integration and people coming in at the right right place and sort of to-dos and tasks automatically getting generated and triggered based on what the data is telling us what to do. That part is the same whether you're, you know, a, a, a six-person company or 600-person company for us, where where things are different is, you know, your objective, your target, your message, your call to action. And that is really, you know, it's just a strategy question, right? It's like, well, who, who are these people and why do they care? All right. Well, we have to turn that into messaging. We have to think that through, uh, through some sort of segmentation context. Yeah. And, you know, that's not different per role or industry. That's, that's different for every client. And there's certainly echoes across clients. And we, you know, we have a playbook a mile long. Like we know all the tricks. So we know all the things like we, we know what's going to work. And, and sometimes we don't get it in the first whack. We'll have clients where we have to iterate over, you know, two, three, four uh, versions of messaging or targeting or whatever. But, but, you know, if, if we can generate one, we can usually generate lots of leads. It's just a matter of at what volume, at what timeline and, and, and all those uh, kinds of things. Yeah, and and that that makes a that makes a lot of sense. You know, this is an interesting question because I've 
I've actually been a, been a part of, of this type of situation. But, you know, one area where, um, you know, listen, sometimes companies, they they miss the mark on on actually their own offering on their own solution. You know, maybe, you know, they give you information. Maybe they haven't done their homework. Maybe they haven't, they don't have a really good understanding of their, their target market. Maybe they have a bad reputation. <laughs> maybe, you know, their product doesn't work. And that actually could could kind of affect, you know, your efforts and so forth. How, how, do you ever yeah. get into that? Do you ever get into that? Because I, I, because I actually work for a company. I work for a software. I was in, uh, I work for a, a software company, and uh, you know, literally, the, the software just did not do uh, as as advertised. And the company was just trying to fix it for the whole time I've been there. The company got a bad reputation, and oh my god! I mean, how does someone like Rev Boss, you know, deal with that? Because that's, you know, you're 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 doing you know your end, and I'm sure that's that's one of the the things that. Um, sometimes you you get in these conversations with uh, with companies and so forth. Yeah. Oh man, you that is very insightful on your part um, because it's certainly something that we deal with a lot. And um, you know, we we sell to the the low end of the market, like low end in terms of company size and revenue size. Um, and there's a lot baked into that in terms of the products aren't very well developed. The marketing teams or marketing thinking sometimes it might be non-existent yeah. uh, or, or isn't well-developed. Um, and for some of our clients, it's like a husband-wife team. You know, like some of our, our clients are, are that small. And, you know, endemic in that is a lot of just like small company crap that you have to deal with um, of like, oh, you know, we have a client that we worked with for a long time and the wife got pregnant and it was a husband-wife team. And it's like, hey, yeah, we love you guys. This has been great, but we're going to turn off for, you know, three or four months. And, you know, they'll come back on. It's great. But it's like, oh, well, you know, yeah, I hate to lose that revenue, but fine. You know, this is this is the kind of this is the, the path we've chosen. Um, but but we also see it on the on the product side where, you know, a fair amount of our clients are we call them discovery SaaS um, businesses where, you know, it, it's a discovery game. They think they know who they want to sell to. They think they have the right product, but often they don't. And sometimes yeah. it's a bust because like the product sucks and nobody cares. Or like they've they've like missed the mark, and that's okay. Like we, we live with it, and we have had clients say, "Hey, this six month pilot has been amazing. We have learned so much. We are so grateful. We're going to turn you off for now, and we need to go do some things, and we might come back." And you know, initially we were just like, "Ah, oh, no, we need to like keep these people at all costs." Yeah. But now we we're zen about it because it's like, "Hey, you know what? We held up our end." Yeah. This is what they need to do, um, and they'll come back, and they do. Like, like, yeah, uh, I, I agree. hundred of the clients that, that have canceled. Too. Oh, I'm sorry, we, we, we were talking over each other, but but uh, almost twenty percent of the clients that we've lost over the past twelve months have reactivated, um, and it's partially because we kind of work with these kind of small clients. But I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that you know we do our part and we focus on doing that part well and. Like we let our clients do the things that they need to do and we treat them well and, and they come back on. Yeah, I agree with you 110%. I think, you know, you, you, you only can really live up to, to your end of the bargain. And I agree. And I'll tell you that the feedback at the other company that we actually received um, 
from the company that we actually used that was similar to yours was was very very good it's very very valuable so yeah no absolutely i i can i can understand how that can be challenging could you give us like a profile of um, some of the people that you that 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 kind of work for you that help design these um and and execute these types of campaigns on on behalf of organizations i mean what's what's their experience level or how does that generally yeah it it um i don't know if it's like the best thing in the world for me to say but it, it's it's all across the board um zach who is our vice president of client uh, success he's been with us for six years before we hired him six years ago he was like the leasing manager at an apartment complex um mason who's our vice president of, of client operations um also been with the company for six years before we hired him he was like did online marketing and sales for a car dealership and you know it, it, you know I, for us it, it's kind of opened my eyes to recruiting it's like you know what there doesn't have to be like a perfect background or perfect experience to be really good at what you do and to carry a lot of responsibility and, and those two guys are really good at their jobs and they're really smart and they've just kind of learned and grown uh, inside of the company um the we just had two folks join we're, we're at 40 employees now we had two account managers join um this past uh monday one uh was in uh sales and account management for an it services firm and one was in sales for corning like the big industrial supplier yeah and so th those guys like they've got they got real experience like they they've been in the trenches and they know exactly what our clients are dealing with um, you know, but we also have folks that were on our team that like worked in member services for a chamber of commerce and, you know, jobs that, that are adjacent, but not kind of, you know, the team's not all former SDRs, I guess, I guess is maybe a better way for me to say it. And that, that's okay because we, we recruit for, um, empathy and, um, sort of culture fit and proactiveness and, and can they solve problems? And then we surround those people with copywriters that do nothing but like bang out thoughtful, creative, sometimes hilarious copy. Um, we have an ops team that does all the behind the scenes machinations with inboxes and domains and integrations and Zapier. Um, and those account managers sit on a team with a team lead and our team leads are super experienced. And like they're, you know, almost all of them are former account managers that were just by far the best account managers we had on the team and so the the profile is kind of all over the place in terms of like the account managers that are delivering the service um but you know they're surrounded with teams and resources and processes that that help them uh kind of keep things moving forward and help keep them focused on client relationship and client happiness and and having the next moves in place uh, if the current set of moves don't don't pan out the way that we hope, yeah, I mean it sounds to me it's a very well-rounded company. <laughs> you you're you've got all experience levels, different industries, and I'm sure that that all comes to your benefit. <laughs> yeah, well, it certainly didn't start that way, man. Um, <laughs> for the longest time, it was like, hi, you're an account manager. You do everything. Yeah, uh, and you know, as the business grew, we finally could build out, uh, you know, a thoughtful uh you know big boy business <laughs> yeah. yeah big boy or big, big girl business where we actually have you know 
departments and functional areas and specialists. And, you know, we had to go through some tough stuff to get there, but it does feel good. And it's been rewarding for me to know that like, Hey, we've got these little practice areas and people are specialists at their roles and we get better work and we get better, better results for our clients as a result. Yeah, that sounds great. That sounds great. This is a, an interesting question. How does RevBoss coexist with a marketing department at an organization? Or is, is there any ever like a type of friction or how, how does it, how does it coexist if, as, it, as it pertains to, I don't know, there's philosophies and, and so yeah. forth. Yeah. Um, it's funny how the, the coexistence question changes based on are we dealing with the founder CEO of a small company? Are we dealing with the partner of a, you know, 50, 80 person agency? Are we dealing with a director of marketing? Is she new or has she been here for four years? Are we dealing with the VP of sales that she knew or she been here for, you know, two years? It, there, there's not just like the sort of business swim lanes, but there's a lot of like weird interpersonal and psychological <laughs> dynamics that come into play. Right. Um, but I, I can tell you one of the things that has helped us um, kind of coexist or cohabitate or, you know, what, whatever the, the right word might be uh, with clients is uh, Zapier, uh, which is, you know, if, if your listeners don't know, but it's a, it's a middleware product. It's kind of like a it's like a clearinghouse that integrates with everything on the internet. And so RevBoss integrates with Zapier, Zapier integrates with everything else. And so we can build a custom integration for every client that we work with. And so it's awfully easy to coexist when you approach a relationship with, oh, you're in Salesforce, oh, you use campaigns, oh, you use, um, you know, MailChimp in addition to Salesforce. All right, well, tell us where you want your data and we'll get it in the right places. Or tell us when you want to push data uh, to us and we'll receive it at that time in your process. And knowing that we can just like seamlessly integrate into their tech stack certainly makes it easy um, to coexist. And, and I say seamlessly, like we usually start with a, hey, here's how we think we want to integrate with this. And then, you know, two months in, we're like, actually, no, here's how we need to do it. We'll rebuild it or, or whatever. But, but that certainly is an important foundation. Um, but more broadly, it's a give and take, right? Like, yeah. you know, our clients hire us to do what they've hired us to do and we're good at it and we know what we're doing. And, you know, the smart clients listen to us. And, you know, for us, it's kind of the same thing. Like our clients know more about their products and markets than we do. And, you know, we try to listen to them and it's a partnership. And, um, you know, we we push we certainly try or I hope we, we push when we need to push. Um, and, you know, we certainly listen when our clients push and yeah, we, we just try to play the long game. Um, try to make sure that we're kind of mapping to what our clients uh, value the most and make sure that we just execute flawlessly uh, on the back end. Yeah. And also too, like, like I remember at the, at the last company I, I worked at, the the um, director of marketing was like her specialty was um, kind of demand gen, but the the CEO just like once she got on board was just like oh now you know I just he just wanted her to write 
copy and stuff. And she's like, this is not my specialty. So, so I think like people in, in marketing, they have their specialties, right? And they can coexist with you. Um, and you guys can work together to, uh, you know, to get to um, obviously generate leads and, and get the job done. So I definitely see that there's, there's ways you can definitely coexist and work together in those, uh, in those companies you work with that have so some marketing yeah. people. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, honestly, the harder part is the, Hey, I'm new here. I want to change everything. <laughs> or, um, Hey, we just hired a VP of marketing. He wants to be on the call. Um, that's like, that's when our antenna always goes up. It's like, okay, new person, new dynamic. What, what is it? What do they value? Where are we, where do we fit in? Um, the other stuff is a lot easier. It's always the kind of the, the people stuff that's, that proves to be more challenging and unpredictable for us. Yeah, no, understood. Understood. What are, what are the future plans of, of Rev Boss? I mean, what do you, how do you see your organization kind of evolving in the coming years? Oh man, I knew you were going to ask me that. <laughs> you don't have to give any trade secrets, but but uh, you know, I don't know what you don't need to tell I'll, the secrets to us. But no, but look, it's, there's, it's a, fun. there's a lot of things. I mean, look, I've there's a lot of things changing in in sales, and I mean things, especially with what's been going on the last couple of years. Um, there's just a lot of I just feel like there's a lot of organizations that are just going to be left behind with real archaic thinking, yeah. and. It's actually yeah. caused me to reinvent. I've, I've had to reinvent myself in the space uh, quite quite frankly, and I'm, I'm still doing it. But yeah, I'm just curious. I mean, what do you, uh, what would you like to see? Your, I mean, is there, would you want to grow to a certain size? Would you like to see integrate different technologies or? Yeah, so I'll, I'll answer, I can answer this question in a few ways. So we doubled the business in 2019. Uh, we doubled it again in 2020. We're on track to more than double it again in 2021. And uh, yeah, we'll try to double it again in 2022. And we'll we'll just kind of see where that takes us. Uh, so that's one kind of very honest answer is um, I don't have a lot of preconceived notions about what the business could be. Uh, we just want to keep making the next right decision and do the next right thing. Like I've kind of adopted this ethos and i honestly don't know where i well i do kind of know where it came from it's do the right thing do it the right way and do it for the right reasons and you know doing the right thing the right way that's very much like started off with like a carolina basketball uh, comment i'll like we can kind of uh maybe book in the, the conversation with a carolina basketball comment and that's you know dean smith the legendary coach of carolina was like all about playing the right way yeah and and, you know, that was drove Carolina's success. Teamwork, moving the ball. Like, it doesn't matter who gets the credit. It's the team. It's the team. And, you know, I certainly don't profess to be Dean Smith, uh, but, you know, certainly think about, you know, building a business to last and building it to do the right things and to do right by our people and our clients. And, and, you know, doing it for the right reasons, you know, the under sort of the underpinning values of Rep Boss are happiness, accountability, and transparency. And we believe that we have something very good and we're obligated to be stewards of, of what we have. And when you have something good, you're also obligated to, to take it to more people. And so we want to grow the business because 
we want more goodness in the world and we want more happiness in the world. And, and so we certainly want to keep, keep going where we're going. We're growing at a really nice clip and we've got a really great team. Um, more fundamentally in, in terms of like how we'll get there um, as far as our future plans go, we're trying to get a lot smarter about how we segment our clients. And we're learning very quickly, and I've highlighted this uh, several times through the conversation that, you know, Paul, the, the CEO of a, of a, you know, 50 person PR firm has very different context and very different needs than, you know, Susie, the CEO of a seed funded rapidly, rapidly growing SaaS company. Mm-hmm. And, you know, until very recently, those clients just kind of went to an account manager and we did what we did. And that was that. And I think that we'll probably see a lot of changes in, in our products and in how we kind of serve clients that have fundamentally different needs and expectations. You know, the, the back end of what we do might look and feel the same, but there's a lot more nuance on, on the front end that I think that, that we can improve upon. And, you know, as you specialize in, you know, in kind of the primary offering, I think that we'll have lots of opportunity for secondary and new products and, and sort of new ways that we can help these clients. Yeah, no, that's great. That's, that's great. I mean, <clears throat> very impressed. I mean, I, uh, this was a great conversation. You know, I took a look at your website and anyone listening, I would, uh, I guess if they, if they wanted to find out more information about you and, and RevBoss, uh, where can they go? Yeah, so I'm on LinkedIn, uh, Eric Boggs, uh, Rep Boss, obviously, is repboss.com. Uh, we're on LinkedIn, and uh, if you want to see pictures of our employees' pets, you can find us on Instagram. <laughs> cool. Uh, we hired a director of marketing, and our, our employer branding strategy is is cat pictures and dog pictures, and it's great. It's been a lot of fun. <laughs> Cool. No, that's great. That's that's great. That's uh, that's wonderful. So, all right, Eric. Listen, thank you so much for for joining us here on the Foundational Sales Podcast. This was a great conversation, and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely be in touch. Thanks, Paul. I appreciate it. You got it.